Yeah, you know, and you've described a lot of what we've come across are family operations. So you've got husband, wife, maybe a, a kid involved in running the business, and then you're even in kind of more trouble of, of trying to find value out of that because you know, I'm going to buy this business. The wife isn't going to stay here. We're son's not going to keep running around town picking up supplies. So you got to figure out how am I going to transition this out? Welcome back to the Apex Business Advisors podcast. I am your host, Andy Cavanaugh, joined as always by the president of Apex, Doug Hubler. Doug, how are you today? I am fabulous today. Great. Glad to hear it. You know, I realized uh, last week I did not introduce myself, so I... Oh, you didn't? I did not. I didn't even notice. I did not. I just went straight to you. Right. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. So I am the unnamed host of this show. The star of our show is here with us, as always, Doug Hubler. I'm going to lead into our topic by uh, sharing a little bit about myself. I grew up in a town called Independence, Missouri. Our most famous resident is uh, President Harry Truman. Uh, the Independence Square, this Independence was the start of the Three Trails West, the Oregon, the Santa mm-hmm. Fe, and the California Trails, if you remember, right, yeah, uh, yeah. Frontier Times. Uh, so Independence was this, the, the hub of where those trails would, would start. So every Labor Day weekend, Independence celebrates with this uh, festival, carnival type thing that is called Santa Caligon. And uh, this year marked the 50th Santa Caligon, although I like to asterisk that and call it the 49th Santa Caligon because 2020, there was no Santa Caligon. Oh, okay. But yet, okay. they, they had a virtual Santa Caligon, which I don't know how you well, virtually ride. How right. do you virtually ride a, a Ferris wheel? Did, so you didn't join in on that I did not do event. the virtual. No. I, I can't get a virtual turkey leg. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get or a... cotton candy. Yeah, how, how do I get a virtual fried, you name it, right, on a stick? Right. I was walking around, and um, I, you know, I would look through these tents, and I got to thinking, like, I wonder if these businesses would be sellable. And so... You know, I kind of wanted to just discuss, are these businesses saleable? And that was, uh, that's kind of what led us to here. Yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about artists for the most part and hobbyists. So, I mean, can you imagine trying to take over a quilting business that, you know, you've got one person kind of running that show and going to these craft fairs and that kind of thing. It's hard to imagine finding somebody who would want to take that over. It's a very personal situation. Can't imagine either looking at, okay, asking for financial statements. They're they're probably just handing you their checkbook or credit card statement. I'm sure there's not a lot for them to, for a potential buyer to even review. I don't know. What do you think? When you saw these when you saw these booths there, did you see something that, like, oh, wow, this would be super attractive? A few years ago, I sold a um, – it was a landscape design company. Okay. It wasn't like the uh, go to Home Depot, get the uh, the solar lights and right. ride them along your sidewalk. Uh-huh. It was like when that business came on, I was like, I don't know how you sell this mm-hmm. because the owner – yeah, he had a he had a crew. Okay. He had people that okay. installed. He had people right. that you know did that. But he yeah. was the design guy, yeah. and he was the sales guy. And you know, as I as I was evaluating that business and I, trying to match buyer with the seller, I was like, 
okay, this is going to require a very specialized talent mm-hmm. sure. and skill, and I don't know if that is readily available. Yeah. And so my first thought was there's no way that that business will sell. But lo and behold, we found yeah. somebody yeah. to buy that business, and they bought that business, and they're flourishing and you know yeah. doing, doing very well. So my initial thought was no, but I also noticed that a lot of these places were very professional operations. Mm-hmm. You could tell mm-hmm. that you know this wasn't just a garage sale type thing to where it's like, I don't know, man, give me a quarter for it. Right, right. Thought had gone into pricing. Thought had gone into booth rental. Sure. Thought had gone there's into a, that. There's real expense yeah. in, in this operation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll go to the same. So that was our hometown. Well, mm-hmm. the next town over is going to have one in a couple weeks. And the town, you know, they're, they're going to they're going to pop up. You're going to find the same people yeah. in each one, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, the one thing that jumped out to me that I thought was very risky about those type of businesses is let's say that your booth space costs you $3,000 for the weekend, for mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. and then all of them claim to be open till 5 o'clock on Monday, but you go up there at 3 o'clock. They're and closing They're down. closing yeah. down. They're shutting their stuff down. Yeah. But let's say that you've got a, a $3,000 booth rental, and it rains on Friday and mm, Saturday yeah. and Sunday. Yeah. So now you've got Friday, which is generally an evening only, mm-hmm. and not a lot of people go out there. And yeah. then you've got Monday morning. You know, I could see where there's a lot of risk oh, of sure. being upside yeah. down for the right. weekend. Yeah. I don't know. What say you? Do you think that they they become saleable, or do you think that it, there's just too much working against them? And you know, it's, I still it's think a hobby. You, you mentioned some risk there. True, and you know, like you go to some of the art fairs in town around town and they will you know last year i remember going to a very popular art fair but it was rainy extremely windy the their booths were were blowing over and and no crowds everybody's everybody's leaving so they do have those expenses and they are taking that risk but we're also talking about artists and maybe what you saw maybe a little different but i don't know i'd probably put them in the same box of saying, you know, this is still kind of a, a personal art, craft, design element that their personal talent, which would be a difficult business to sell. And, I would, and I'd have to, you know, say, well, you know, normally if we take on a business, like you mentioned, the landscape, lighting, design, but, you know, that there was a crew, there, were, there was a staff, there were, you know, and, so you had customer base and a reputation, a brand kind of, but it was also a service, you know? And, and I think it takes it up a level. I think you're right. It was, if I looked at that, I'd say, it's gonna be hard to sell, but some of those service businesses might take a while to sell. It might take nine months to a year to find the right buyer for that if we, if we find a buyer, because it is kind of a needle in the haystack. I got another one that I'd be interested to see what your take is, is um, T-shirt design type mm-hmm. things on like Etsy. And right. you see a lot of yeah. those where somebody has some designs out there and they've obviously got some inventory of shirts or maybe everything's on demand. Do you see that being a business that is saleable or is that something that we're saying, look, it's probably going to be what your T-shirt press is worth and, you know. Yeah, what existing inventory maybe. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's still be difficult. You know, we have sold businesses where they were accessing inventory and selling online. So somebody had a, a business operation where they went and bought excess inventory and overstock.com kind of thing. Inventory that wasn't delivered, wasn't picked up, train fulls of stuff that, that ended up going to a warehouse and they have an auction. And so there's a whole industry around reselling that material. And we've sold businesses that are involved in that. And that's, but they've got a system in place, they've got an operation, they've got procedures and, and you know, and showing their profitability. And, and Is there any value if they get those trademarked or copyrighted or anything like that? Is there any value in those? And it's hard to do, it's, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if, if that really adds a ton of value because, you know, somebody has like, we, we buy these tea towels or, you know, that, that, that have these funny sayings or poems or whatever on them. And you see them all over the place. How many, I don't know how many, you, I think people can repeat that. I don't think you can trademark all that stuff, you yeah. know, and, and they're popular, but what I don't know what what there is to sell on on some of those kind of things. What about somebody that uh, goes and buys like the um, fell off the truck mm-hmm. and the insurance claim, and then they take it over here to a, an excess warehouse and they buy that stuff in, by the yep. pallet and then right. just put it up on eBay. Right. I'm going to assume the same thing, unless you actually have a storefront or you have employees, you're probably not going to be able to sell something mm-hmm. like that, correct? Right, right. Yeah. And actually, we did sell one a few years ago. And the, the person who bought that business did well for a while, extremely competitive. Pricing was tough to make as much money as he was originally used to. And, and then he had one employee who retired. And Really, that employee was key to keeping everything up online and all the descriptions. And he wasn't a tech person. Mm-hmm. He was the one that went out and bought inventory. And it kind of, he decided to, to close up shop after that. So it, it's tough. I think you could probably make a business out of that stuff. But to your point, again, you've got to have, we talked about this last week, you've got to have process in place. Mm-hmm. Got to have the technology, and you've got to have the people, yep. right? So yep. if you're not the person that's keeping your descriptions and your pictures, and making sure that when somebody searches mm-hmm. Elvis Presley casino chip, right, right, that you you pop up on eBay, yeah, yeah you know, and you've described a lot of what we come across are family operations. So you've got husband, wife, mm-hmm. maybe a, a kid involved in running the business, and then you're even in kind of more trouble of, of trying to find value out of that because you know I'm going to buy this business. Wife isn't going to stay here or son's not going to keep running around town picking up supplies. So you got to figure out how am I going to transition this out. Yeah, and I'm probably not going to let you, Mr. Buyer, come over to my house 
right and use my <laughs> right use my garage in my basement to uh, fulfill your orders exactly. and, and do yeah. all of your the quilting machine that's you know 20 feet long is going to have to be moved out I guess the last ones that I would talk about would probably be those one-man bands that we talk about with HVAC mm-hmm. and yeah uh, you know guy with a mower and a truck I have a one specific example is my plumber that I've used for years and at one time he had employees but found that it was for him it was just more of a hassle he's a master plumber excellent at what he does he's the only guy that i use on any projects that i have and i've referred him to so many people and i've told him over the years because he's asked me what's what's my business worth how could i sell it we need to talk about this and i tell him every time i can't sell your business it's you you are the face, you are the master plumber. If you sell, then a, a buyer is going to have to recognize that your clientele was used to calling you. They know your quirks, they know your the hours of operation, they know how good you are at handling emergencies, but they know when they take that business over, probably most of those clients will leave. And I've just bought a business that is based on one person operating it. And, and I just don't see anybody taking that business over. Yeah, I have the same thing with my ele- the guy that I do use for electrician, you know, just. And th- the thing is, is all of these people that we're talking about are making a good living. Right. They're making a living or, you know, it's a hobby and they're making a nice second income. Yep. And I think that's something that if you know, people are interested in, hey, I'm a one-person operation, or I'm a hobbyist, you know, can I sell my business, or is it going to be, look, you just shut the doors one day. Mm -hmm. That's something that we can certainly talk to people about. Um, We can go in depth with them. Best way to get in touch with us is through our website. It's kcapex.com. On there, you're going to see anything you want to know about buying a business, about selling a business, of course, how to get in touch with the team. All of these podcasts are here. Go back and listen to some of the the other episodes. Part of the reason why we started this is evergreen content that maybe what we're talking about today isn't relevant to where you're at in your business sales process or your business buying process. So there's tons of good information back there in the archive, very educational. And of course, you know, if you need to get in touch with anybody on the team, our links are right there. You can follow us on LinkedIn. You can email us directly. And if you are looking at buying or selling a business, we got you, fam.